In this podcast, UK Hospitality CEO Kate Nichols sits down with Paul Scully, Parliamentary Undersecretary of State for Small Business, Consumers and Labour Market, and is our Minister for Hospitality. They discuss how industry and government can work together to recover from the pandemic, touching on issues including business rate planning and staffing shortages. We're here in the Blue Ball restaurant in Westminster and uh, the chef who's here is new chef Sally Aby who came from London's only Michelin star pub and I think typifies hospitality. We've got a great bar, cocktails, wine, beer, food and part of a brilliant hotel. That's fantastic. So welcome, thank you for joining us. That's really good to be and here. Just can we start talking about your new role? Because um, so we had 200,000 people signing a petition asking for a dedicated minister and we've now got you with the expanded portfolio and hospitality firmly in your portfolio along with small businesses, retail, high streets. So how did that come about and uh, how can we make sure that we've got uh, hospitality top of your to-do list with a busy portfolio? Yeah, I mean the Seats at the Table um, campaign was a really good one, it's a really focused one, of trying to get uh, some, someone out of the heart of government. You've always had two champions though, you've had me, uh, I cover food and beverage, so obviously bars, pubs, restaurants, cafes. Uh, and you had Nigel Huddleston, and still have Nigel Huddleston that does tourism, so accommodation uh, and events and these kind of things. And we do work together really, really closely. We're good friends as well as uh, uh, collegiate ministers. Um, but what it is now, they've added the title of hospitality recovery to my list of um, uh, of priorities and, and responsibilities. And that's something that I'm able to therefore, I think, have a little bit more, speak with a little bit more authority within government to help you champion uh, what you need and to so that we're all working on the same path. And so really it's about the, the recovery, getting it building back better, moving forward, getting the resilience in the sector going, is, is that sort of top of the to-do list? Yeah, absolutely. We started off the um, hospitality recovery strategy group, uh, which you're, you're, you're part of, and just bringing together some um, some leaders from the, from the sector, uh, as well as um, uh, myself, but other people from across government, so we can talk about not just reopening. Everybody knows that we need to get that 21st of June to get the, those social distancing measures peeled away, getting capacity back up and running again uh, so that you can actually start making money rather than minimising losses. But we've got to get beyond that. It's about recovery and it's about building resilience into the uh, sector as well. So what can we do about medium and long-term issues, skills and those kind of things, and making sure there's a great career for people, not just jobs. And how is that group... What, what, what's that group coming together of the sort of leading CEOs and the trade associations? What's that helped you to achieve within government? I think it's just a re- it's just a really tight focus now because I think everybody has seen in government has seen the hospitality lobby, um, lobby if you like, coming in. But actually, what it does is just cements within government the hospitality sector as a really important sector in its own right for um, for the economy, but also for communities as well. The social value that it adds and also the wider economy of of skills and jobs, as I I say, rather than just um, the the sales that that, that hospitality achieves. Because it locks into tourism, it locks into, as I say, jobs, it locks into um, uh, the the way that people work in their their towns and cities and uh, the the ecosystem that hospitality um, plays, the role that it plays within that ecosystem. 
And, and Brendan Lewis, I was always taken, when he first, first made Minister for Pubs, he said he had the best job in government. Do you think now you've got that broader role that you've got the best oh, I've got a, job in government? A far better job, because not only is it pubs, but it covers restaurants, it covers all other rest of hospitality. <laughs> I mean, pubs is, a, uh, is, is an amazing role, clearly, but I love all, fa- all forms of hospitality. And what have you missed most during lockdown? Which, which bits of hospitality have you really you know what I I mean I've, I I've been um, like a lot of people having a lot of drinks at home uh, but there's nothing quite like having a draft pint and I do like my Guinness so actually having a draft Guinness is you know is, is still pretty special that's difficult to do at home yeah and the first meal that I went out with uh, went out on Monday I made sure that it was somewhere that didn't do takeaway I've had some <laughs> amazing takeaways don't get me wrong and I still will but it was just nice to have that change, the things that you can't experience yeah. at home. Yeah, it, it is good to get that service. Now, you touched there just previously on, on the, the 21st of June and that totemic date about uh, getting the restrictions removed. Are, are you able to give any assurances about where we're moving to on the 21st of June and, and what, what life looks like afterwards? Well, all I can say is that we are really determined to, to keep on that one-way path, um, and at, uh, but we need certainty to do that. The variants that, that have been talked about are clearly there. They're clearly stuff that we need to investigate, that we need to make sure we keep on top of. Doesn't, don't want to panic anybody in, in doing so. Um, but we found that we were chasing the virus quite a lot last year, uh, behind the curve. Now we're actually ahead of it. The vaccination programme is going great, great guns. We want to make sure that we can stay ahead of it. And that's just by, by really investigating what's happening with the Indian variant in particular, making sure that we're doing surge testing in some of the towns and cities so we can contain it. And hopefully that way, at the moment I can see no reason why we should veer from the 21st of June, um, but we just want to make sure that we can say that to the sector with certainty. And that's all restrictions lifted? Well, I've, it depends on what you're talking about. If you're talking about pubs and restaurants, I would really, um, you know, fully expect to pretty well everything to go. But I mean, big events, well, we're obviously doing the, the um, and and maybe the bigger venues, but that's these are all areas to be determined by the um, events research pilots that are going on. Because mm-hmm. then I think it's just looking at that behaviour, looking at people movement, not just within the venues, because it's really important, as we've often discussed, not to stigmatise um, venues themselves and the sectors themselves, but what happens around them is transport and, and just people movement, those kind of things we, we need to be really sure of. Because of what, you, what you find is that you don't get to the 21st of June, it's not like a film that the baddie dies and everything's done on credits, it's just actually uh, you know, how you, how you can um, make sure that we can have this tail away as we're living with COVID. So the ambitions there to, to get everything lifted, moving forward back to normal as quickly as we can just if there's anything that comes up in the intervening period that might yeah. knock us off course. Absolutely. Look, you and I, when we leave this place, we're going to have to put our masks on to walk the, uh, the few yards to the, the, the door. Um, we don't want to do that. Who wants to do that? So we don't want to have this a day longer than you have to have, have it. And are you getting that sense across government as well, with, you know, right at the heart of government, with Department of Health, Cabinet Office, that looking at this, that they, they share that ambition that you know, we can get back to standing at the bar and walking around, not having table service? The, the ambition the, the there. Clearly, you have people with a spectrum of views, um, you know, across government, as you do in Parliament, you know. But because all of this is uh, uh, is a political decision, it's uh, because it's on a spectrum. You either lock everybody away and just wait until the virus dies because it physically can't cross barriers, or you go for herd immunity. Everything else in between 
is a decision. It's a decision about behaviour. It's a political decision. So there's a range, but we but the drive of government is absolutely to make sure those um, those measures can. And sitting be alongside the that, then presumably you've got that spectrum, you've got that drive and, and movement forward. Sitting alongside that, you've got the the sort of tapering of support as well. So if we get those restrictions kept in place, do we do we sort of move forward and, and keep some of the support measures as well? I know the Secretary of State's been quite clear in the past that he wouldn't turn off the taps. If yeah. we were staying a bit longer, is that also the what we don't intention? Want, yeah, what we don't want to have is a cliff edge. We've tried to work through this all right the way through. Um, I don't think anybody thought this was necessarily going to be as we, we, you know a year ago that we we're going to be in this position uh, for such a long time. Um, but we've put four hundred and seven billion pounds worth of fiscal support in this, and I'm a free market conservative. I've now got four hundred. You know, I don't believe in big interventions. Having said that, having just been on the, uh, you know, the the end of the biggest intervention we've made since the war, but it gives me 407 billion reasons why I've now got to be helped with the government to shape that recovery so we don't just suddenly let go of the wheel and let everything fall because of those cliff edges. So we've got to really um, make sure that we're not turning the taps off, as you say. Yeah. And the biggest cliff edge, I know you'll know this, is, is the rent debt yeah. and the rent issue. I mean, it's the biggest unsolved question. So can you just give a little bit of an idea about how we might be able to move forward, what the current government thinking is around that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really difficult. It's been a challenge, actually, probably the biggest challenge, because actually so much of it is not within our, um, within our gift. So business rates, for example, and business rates and rent are the two big fixed costs, aren't they, really, mm. for, for most businesses. Business rates is a government tax, so we can, we can look at that, we can, we can, we can deal with that um, unilaterally. With rents, you've got an economic relationship between the landlord and tenant, and the landlords are businesses in their own rights as well. So we've got to make sure we respect their, um, their rights. But we talk about the fact that if you are a tenant and you can pay, you should be paying. But clearly the hospitality sector have been closed or very, very limited for so long, are obviously in a very different position to that campaign. So what we've tried to do is find ways between landlords and tenants of in, um, engineering, fostering those sensible conversations that inevitably are going to have to happen because it's not in a landlord's interest, frankly, to just have empty uh, venues in the high street. So we will, you know, we're looking at all the measures, frankly. We had a call for evidence which finished uh, a few weeks ago. We're now considering that. We know that the um, end of June is upon us pretty quickly. Um, so we'll have to make sure that we, we, we find a decision that can actually um, get those conversations to, to happen. But it is a challenge. And when do you think we might have that conclusion? Because obviously people are sitting now waiting to make, make decisions about I can't, the future. I can't give you, I can't give you a date, but I, I know full well that you, know, you need warning. You can't just wait until the 29th and, and, <laughs> and then just suddenly ask to, to chop up. So um, you know, government doesn't always work quickly, but there are some... Um, deadlines that we've just got to make sure that we are um, really fast on. This is government working in the real, about as real time as you're ever going to get it. I say that from having run businesses myself. I get incredibly frustrated with this, but there are reasons why sometimes things have to go through that sausage machine. Yeah, I, I always, something I always say back to, to the operators that, that are making decisions very quickly. I've worked 30 years in, in politics and, and lobbying and, and hospitality. 
this is as fast as I've ever seen government moving. I know people complain it is slow, but but it is everybody's working flat out the pace to get them through you, this, aren't they? Yeah, and you talked about a lot of my job titles. You can shrink that all down to minister for unintended consequences. <laughs> it's just boiling it all down to how can we actually, uh, you know, what what's along the horizon? Because I tend to live and breathe some of this sort of stuff. Where, where's our, um, you know, when, when you the, the the higher up the chain you get, um, the more you're having to rely on your officials and other people to feed in, and you're just getting readouts from a bit of paper there is nothing you know, they're useful but there's nothing quite like getting out there speaking to you and actually you know as as we've been on many calls getting the raw emotion of a chief exec or a single um, venue operator that is just at the end of the tether all really worried because they're going to have to make people redundant yeah. real people redundant not just something on a spreadsheet uh, yeah well you can always rely on hospitality for a bit of passion Absolutely, but I'll tell you what, but what I love about the passion, and again, some of those calls we've had, we you have, because um, at, at the height of the pandemic, we were having weekly calls with, mm. with the sector, and one one week, um, the a lot of the people, everybody was shouting, screaming, really angry, really frustrated, really upset. The following week, they got that out of the system, they were still angry, still frustrated, but they were switched on to, what can I do about it, mate? Yes. And that's what good business leaders do. Yeah, um, yeah, and we've been we've been quite agile, I think, as, yeah, as a absolutely. sector in, in sort of going ahead. That let, let, let's try and turn it towards the more positive bit of, of what we do next and how do we move forward. Um, Hospitality is one of those sectors that, that can help the UK recover quickly. We can generate jobs, growth, and investment at pace across all regions. How exciting is that as a minister to be able to take that kind of agenda forward? I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant. You see, so you have you know hospitality. Is not just about it is about the regions, but it's not just about that. It's about the rural, urban. It's about all of the uh, the, the, the different um, uh, parts of society as well. What we need to make sure that we can have is is not just about jobs. It's not just about a, a low bar of entry coming into hospitality because that's what that is what makes hospitality so exciting. Is its flexibility mm. is the fact that um, you know a student can come out with no training or little training come straight into a pub and start um, uh, and start work but the next stage is how do we show them that there's a great career there what can we do about um, uh, get, getting them through with the skills with the the background so that they they want to stay in hospitality like they do in other countries um, that's going to be really exciting that resilience bit um, beyond this this reopening that I'm really looking forward to tackling with the sector and I think as well it's about making sure that people are aware that even if you don't stay for full time as a career that those transferable skills can yeah. be valuable to the rest of the economy because learning what you can learn you know, it's, it's the best basis for business management running a hospitality venue yeah. um, and just broadening that out how can how can you as Minister for Hospitality help with, with that message into Department for Education uh, DWP making sure that we get all the bits of government linked up to, to have that supportive message yeah uh, uh, it's it's by demonstrating it it's actually um, the, the, the nice thing about the hospitality sector is every single minister every single MP uses it uh, it's, you know I'm also I'm also responsible for aerospace um, a really exciting uh, area but and the other day I was talking about actually it was uh, one company that uh, is now going to be um, launching air taxis within three years literally a taxi you can help in the air there's not many ministers or MPs that have got experience of that sort of high advanced materials and technology and engineering everybody goes in a pub everybody goes in a restaurant everybody goes into cafes and bars and and, 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 and the uh, and, and events and these kind of the cultural sector 
and they can see what it's like to have great experience and you can pick that up so uh, uh, I think I'm pushing at an open door it's just I need to push it a bit harder yeah well I suppose it, we are bigger than aerospace automotive and pharmaceuticals put together so we probably dwarf many of the responsibilities of other ministers but and um, and so how do, how do we build that resilience? So you, you talked there about uh, working across government to get the resilience plan to help get, get the recovery. What does that look like? What are the challenges and transformations that we're going to have to deal with? Well, I'll, I'll throw that back a year as well and see, see, see what you think about it. I mean, clearly, as I say, um, you know, I've talked quite a lot about the skills to make sure that uh, um, there are lots of paths into hospitality. There's lots of paths up hospitality as well. Um, and part of that is entrepreneurship as well. So if people want to strike out and make, do, do their own, uh, um, uh, set up their own businesses, because this is why hospitality fits really nicely with a lot of the stuff I do. I'm Minister for London. You can't walk around London without tripping over a, 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 a hospitality venue, which sits within the ecosystem of our great mm. city centre here in London, but of course cities and towns across the country. Uh, I'm Minister for Small Business and uh, mm. yes I meet uh, chief execs of a lot of the, the big pubcos, the big restaurant groups and stuff like that, but the vast majority of, um, of the hospitality sector are people setting up their own cafe, their own restaurant, or they've got their passion and they want to deliver a great service in there. So that's, that's, that, that really connects up really nicely. But what do you think we should be going? Where do you think we should be going with this? Um, well, I, I, I mean, the big challenges, as we know, it, we're going to have to grapple with, with urban renewal, look at what happens in our city centres as we change the way we do work. Um, that's going to have real big implications. So I think we need to use this as a reset moment so that we can look at some of the big structural changes we need. So business rates reform, we need that to be fit for purpose. That's a 1980s construct. And I think the last time business rates were reformed, I was probably roller skating with a Walkman. Um, <laughs> and certainly going to university, we had one computer. You know, it's changed the, the way we, we work and, and everything. So we, we do need to make that fit for purpose. So reforming that, reforming Landlord and Tenant Act, um, and, and I think then it's, a, it's about looking at those enablers. You know, if we've got an ambition that we want to drive forward our hospitality businesses, we need to give them the headroom to be able to, to grow and invest. That means making sure they've got a good margin. Um, keeping that lower rate of VAT, I think, will boost our, our balance of trade in, in terms of domestic tourism and hospitality and keep us internationally competitive. I mean, the business rates thing is really interesting because it, it, we've got our fundamental business rates review, which is due to report back in October. And, you know, my personal view with that is that the business, you, you're right, it's an 80s thing, but businesses are no longer, well, if they ever were, uh, determine their, their success on their square footage. It's mm. about so you need to recalibrate stuff. They also need to be tied better with the local authorities if it is going to be a property-based tax. The grant scheme that we had going out, um, the, it should have, in all of the um, stuff that we were putting out, that should have been by far the easiest because we knew exactly who qualified. What we found, though, local authorities didn't necessarily have the right relationship with their businesses, local businesses, to deliver that because they didn't know who to pay it to. Uh, the fundamental thing, like I haven't got your bank account details. So I did a load of local media and rang around a load of local authorities to try and get people aware that we had billions of pounds that we were trying to give away, that we couldn't find the people's connection. But actually, the business, so it comes back to the business rates thing. About A lot of it is about high street renewal and how do we use those tools to then breathe life into the high streets, maybe making them more experiences than just... Um, simple. Yeah, and I think as well, we, we sort of had, we had a great drive towards localism planning, licensing, local decision making 
and then you, you, you need to have that national framework. To me, localism makes sense if, mm. if you've got a national framework that sets out those clear objectives, and that, that's exactly the example that you, you've given about those, those grants. You had local authorities running counter to what the national government was trying to do. Um, and you've also had the banks and the insurance companies running counter to what government is trying to do. So, so how do we get that whole ecosystem working to support the hospitality sector and get, get on the same page? I think it's strong direction. It's strong direction without, without being um, imposing. Um, it's, which I know that sounds daft, but I'll tell you what, you know, what I found over this part and it comes back to stripping away the social distancing on June the 21st because we've all frankly been infantilised a bit by lockdown um, because government's been making all the decisions for you which everyone's saying like can I have my freedoms back as soon as you give them the freedom back by saying stay alert everyone's like what does that mean uh, you can't have it both ways so what can we, it's, it's, it's um, you know part of the discussion that we need to have um, between government you the rest and the rest of the sector is that where do that balance of responsibilities lie? As I say, I'm a free market conservative. I want to make sure that businesses can do their thing. I used to run businesses, as I say, and I would always trust businesses to know how to drive football, how to drive customers, how to look after customers, better than me sitting there from the eighth floor on Victoria Street in Whitehall. Um, and, uh, but it's, I, I want to sort of set a light touch sense of direction, and yes, set that, that atmosphere for you with the, you know, through the fiscal measures that we've got, um, and also provide you with this sort of skills support that we can give you. But then it's up to you guys. So you're the creative ones. I think that'd be music to our ears. I mean, that's what we all want to be done. I mean, hospitality is really dynamic, really innovative. I, it always surprises people when I say to them that you know, casual dining on the high street is only a decade old. Yeah. Really innovative um, sector. We would just be love. We would love it to be freed up to do what we do best and deliver great services and, and experiences to people. Um, we would like to work with you on that. How can we? How can we brilliant. help you well, deliver that it's more, about more productively? It's about collaborating. I mean, so uh, you know, not just with hospitality, but the ecosystem, as I say, that you're already in. Because yes, you've got hospitality minister in me, uh, but we've also got um, my colleagues, Luke Hall in um, local government department, for example, MHCLG. And I always liken it to the fact that, because um, I'm also a retail minister, so I, I'm, it's like I'm in the shop or the pub on the high street looking out with you guys. Um, and then Luke is working with the councils and the residents on the high street looking in. And we need to tighten up that relationship, I think. We, you know, myself and Luke work well, but I think those, those, those th there are tram lines, frankly, that uh, I think people want uh, their high streets, sometimes local authorities and residents want their local, local uh, their high streets to look like one thing, whereas actually it's, um, you know, our, our retailers in the hospitality sector, the people driving that change, or the people responding to it, and they tend to respond to a different demographic, mm. um, but I think there's always this uneasy um, view of the other side, yeah. which I can probably hopefully break broker. Well, I think we've got a real life experiment going on at the moment, haven't we? If you think back to sort of the, the turn of the millennium and the, the idea that we were going to have cafe society through our licensing and the idea that we would try and free that up would be more continental, we'd be encouraging entrepreneurship and it kind of got lost in, in a sort of top-down dead hand of the home office um, uh, licensing control. We've got a live experiment going on thanks in large part to, to the work you did to encourage the local authorities and, and uh, the ministers to, to do the easements, to let us open outside, to have the outside tables and chairs. How can we sort of cap use that as a, an experiment, get the, get the evidence and take that further forward? I if you free really up example. the entrepreneurs, 
they do act responsibly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, it's a good example because we need to look at the best practice, look at where uh, the local authorities have actually given easements, but also stuck to it and maybe build on them, uh, rather than actually do it because they felt they had to, and then start charging, bringing in other costs, or you know, making it expensive to do so. Because what you've got with COVID, we talked about the fact we're living with COVID this mm -hmm. long, it's a tail, it's not just suddenly disappearing. Some of the measures that come in, in terms of um, street uh, dining and, and, and drinking, uh, need to be made semi-permanent. I remember there was a time last year, after one of the lockdowns when I was in Sirencester, and there was a guy coming out with a cup of coffee, literally sat in the middle of a mini, mini roundabout with some cones around them, so we can sit on a table in the middle. That's hardly sustainable, is it? So, no, but equally, if you go somewhere like Newcastle, I mean, they, they've done brilliantly to pedestrianising a number of the streets. They've got mini parks where there used to be car parks. It's, it's a great example of how you can really bring life yeah. to the city centres. So. People don't like change. People don't always like change. They, they fear change. And, uh, you know, great entrepreneurs, great creatives, um, and... And need to need to drive that, and sometimes in government, you know, we we aren't always the quickest to pivot either, whereas businesses have. So, um, so I think you know we sometimes, as I say, need to take our hands off the wheel and become uh, risk aware rather than risk averse. And, and we can take the, the evidence of the pivot and hopefully drive that if forward get, into look, if it's building evidence, back better. Give me the evidence, I will I will help drive it through. If, you know, I need, I I just need all the stories and all the evidence, all the data. Um, to, 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 to take this in because it, excite, it really excites me. Yeah. Now that we've heard a lot about the phrase build back better and levelling up, what does that mean in practice for you? What do you think that means in terms of hospitality? So in terms of levelling up, I mean I think the easiest definition is that the potential is equally distributed around the country, opportunity isn't. So how can we, um, how can we sort of break down some of those barriers, how we get infra infrastructure sort of relatively consistent around the country. So it's always gonna have uh, those centers of gravity like London, but uh, but we can. there's more we can do to break that down and make that fairer. What can we do about opportunities for employment? We talked a lot about skills and jobs, and I think that's uh, that's gonna be a challenge because uh, you know one of the things that we haven't talked about is in the reopening, is that uh, some hospitality sector are finding, well, a lot of the hospitality sector are finding it hard to recruit at the moment. There's two, now there's two things. If you go to London, actually, it's because some people are in furlough and they're not necessarily still, still in the country because they've travelled back to see their families whilst they're on furlough and they don't want to come back. I was then speaking to the Federation of Small Businesses in Wales, the hospitality sector over there, and I was saying literally there's no one there to recruit. So it's a, a different challenge. Same end net result, different challenge. So. By leveling up, we need to do different things in different areas. You can't. There's not just what. That's what makes it complicated to define. Because if it was just one thing we did, we'd have done it decades ago, frankly. But so, yeah, so I think that's that's really where we need to take that. Yeah. Well, you mentioned labour shortages there. It, it does seem to be coming up as, as one of the pressing issues. As you say, it's it's not common, and across the country, it's it's not a common reason. But we do have a problem that we've got the wrong people in the wrong places at the wrong time. So, so how do we try and work through that and um, is there, given that we've lost particularly in London a large number of, of foreign nationals throughout the crisis, is there a case for revisiting the shortage occupations list, making sure that the Home Office skills list is, is up to date and takes account of COVID? Well I think we'll always be flexible. The shortage occupation list is, is independently drawn up obviously um, uh, by the MAC and the Migration Advisory Committee and they, they will continue to look at that as well. And if, I don't want to put sticking plasters on stuff. Uh, I think we do need to make sure that in the recovery and resilience bit of that three-pong strategy of a 
that I was talking about earlier in the hospitality recovery um, is to make sure that there's a, a really vibrant domestic market. This is something I've been doing years before I was a minister. I was um, I, I did a lot of stuff, work with the British Bangladeshi community, um, and 80% of curry restaurants are Bangladeshi. They're actually mainly from Silet, uh, you know, one one uh, city in Bangladesh, and they've got, they've been talking about the the shortage of skilled chefs. Um, now there's two things you can do there. One, you can double your workforce pretty instantly because most of the the kitchens are solely men uh, in those restaurants. So, um, but 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 um, clearly you can't just look at one line. They were they talk about um, how how best to bring people from Bangladesh. Now there's a there's a there's a there's a transitional phase that you can do to make that a little bit easier. And yes, let's let's talk about it. Let's look at more what more we can do. Long term view though has to be domestic training. How do we make it more attractive for people to come through colleges? Are the colleges and other training um, areas available? Are the apprenticeships and the kickstart scheme? Can we open up more kitchens to 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 take on? Uh, people to help train them on the job as well. All of these areas, I'm really hoping that we'll explore together um, as we develop that strategy. Okay, and and then what? Finally, did we sort of look wrap it up of, of the sort of the, the year of the pandemic? What what's the biggest learning you've taken from your own visits and conversations with those working in our sector, and and the the, the view of, of how the sector's performed during the crisis? I think they've been incredibly resilient in their in their uh, their mindsets. They've been incredibly agile. Uh, they've spent a lot of uh, money, time, and emotion in making their venues um, COVID secure. But actually, it's um, in all of the um, calls for government support, um, and I hope it's been welcome. I know it's been a challenge to to flex, but I hope it's been welcome is just the desire to have people back and welcome them. It's the warm welcome. Uh, it's what people get into hospitality for. And you can just see that in everything that in everything that every person that I've spoken to, in every venue or, or on every call, uh, actually oozes out of them. I'm really looking forward to helping them get back open. And what more would you like to see from us as a sector? What more do you think we could do to be responsible employers, responsible part of the community? taking our, our part back at the heart of that community? I think it's just uh, making sure that all of the things I've heard uh, about how uh, you, know, you can be responsible members of the community uh, and responsible businesses, making sure that that good practice gets out because it, the, we've seen from some of the press coverage, haven't we, it only takes one or two pubs or restaurants or whatever doing the wrong thing and they get all the headlines and the, all of that work that you guys have done uh, as I say, to make yourself COVID secure, to make yourself uh, responsible businesses, just gets swept mm. aside for a few cheap headlines. Um, you can't control that. You can't, you can't control the whole sector just from a, uh, one place. But it's just trying to share that back best practice and the collaboration that I've seen over the last year. You know, clearly I'm only uh, you know only been with you for a year working in the hospitality sector in this way. So I don't know what how tight that was before, but what from what I've seen. That, that 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 needs to continue. Excellent. Right. Quick fire questions. Ooh, here we go. Yeah. So, standout venue that you've visited over the last year? Um, good question. Uh, I haven't got one. I haven't got one. <laughs> I've been to too many. Honestly, I've been to too many. Um, That's a politician. Well, no, I'll, I'll come back to yeah, that yeah, one at the you, end. It has to be pub restaurant or something. I don't even then. 
Okay, so the quick fire ones, MasterChef or Great British Menu? I like both actually, I like any food show frankly. Especially when I, uh, and it's not, a, it's not a fudge, it's just sort of some, uh, I've actually been running and trying to diet. And so uh, <laughs> I, I just sit there and watch food programs and just get hungry. <laughs> and what's your go-to takeout then? Um, usually Chinese or Indian. Well, actually a lot of our hospitality calls over the last year have been on a Friday. I think I've usually signed off by saying I was, uh, uh, I'm just heading off for my socially distanced um, uh, support for the hospitality You've had sector. your Friday takeaway. I, I do the same. Most yeah. of my Fridays we have Korean. It's our local oh, really? Korean takeaway. I've been, tr- I've been trying to, um, to circulate, do a little bit of everything, because the problem is, if you, yeah, I'm half Burmese, so I do like a curry. And I talked about the British Bangladeshis. Um, they always call me the curry minister. <laughs> so I said, if I never get a ministerial post, I'll always have that. <laughs> so it's probably my default. Actually, my last takeaway was a curry. So there you, there you go. go. Okay. Slightly easier, beer or lager? Well, you always said Guinness. Guinness but uh, leave aside Guinness. Guinness, um, otherwise, probably beer. Starter or dessert? Starter. Breakfast, lunch, or dinner? That's an emotional thing, depends on the time. Dinner, if it's going to be a long time, dinner, otherwise, it's a bit, you know, a, a, a boozy lunch if it's a long lunch or a or sandwich. You see, there's no in between. I like, I like it in the breakfast. Got to be dinner, I think. And this one might be a difficult one for you, given that you've just said Guinness and then beer. Favourite cocktail? Mojito. Favourite celebrity chef? Um, I like Michelle Wu Junior. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I should have said Angela Hartner because she's on our retail strategy group. Yeah, but that would have been a bit obvious. Yeah, there you go. But yeah. uh, no. Yeah, Fine no. dining or street food? <laughs> do you like the street food? When we do got a bit as Minister for London, you've got to say street food. Got to get foods. out, yeah, absolutely. If you made formally Minister for Hospitality, then we would have to do some proper study tours for you. We would have to, yeah, but I, clearly I can't take freebies, so... Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, rare, medium or well done? Definitely rare. I quite like blue, actually, but definitely senior. Yeah. Excellent. That's all my questions, Minister. Thank Fantastic. you very much for your time. It's been really good to speak to you. It's been really good to speak to you, and I look forward to working with you and the sector in many years to oh, come. Well, I look forward to working when we're not in crisis mode. It would yeah, be good be after good 16 months to get out of crisis mode. UK Hospitality is a trade association for hospitality businesses in England, Scotland and Wales, working with government to create a fair and optimal operating environment. If you have any questions, you can email us at info at ukhospitality.org.uk or head to our website for more information www.ukhospitality.org.uk